Lindsay. And this is episode 29 of Ningyo Bingo. Where you keep collecting dolls, but you never seem to win the game. Um, so this episode, uh, I can't, we, we don't have much banter in these last two episodes at the front because like we did all the banter in one episode and then like these two episodes were recorded right after it. So like, so we've been kind of like caught up with each other's lives and what we're doing and Lindsay's guilty purchases and Becca's very well thought out purchases. <laughs> um, you say this, but I just, today I just realized that one of the, uh, things that I kind of regret not getting, I saw one on, a. The, the the den of angels sales oh what was it becca you gotta you gotta share uh the not the pookie fay little fay pong pong version two um they oh did that was this, a really cute face yeah they did the limited where it was a cheshire cat which was really super cool because it was like oh no that's punk, right up your alley <laughs> steampunk and cats and alice in wonderland and all these things are good to me um but like uh it wasn't the full set it was just the painted doll but it was very affordable but it was in france um oh. and, um it's oh. not like i'm really on the market for a doll right now it's just like after a after i've been to a few doll conventions i'm like itching to create more because going to conventions always makes me feel inspired like i want to do stuff oh absolutely whenever i see other people's work like even if it's not even at a convention i just see what other people are doing or if you start trawling through the project forums on angel uh, dead of angels i keep wanting to call it the angel dead for some reason today well angel dead of angels, angels the other one like, really inspiring and they're like oh what if i did some leather work what if i did some of this think about all the things you don't have finished well i'm i'm the person who doesn't finish things so becca gets like these ideas and she'll sit down and she'll make something and she'll finish it of uh, nine times out of ten i think about how cool it would be to have something finished and then don't do it well what i find helps is what i did for crunchyroll he may is i actually have a notebook and in that notebook i actually drew out all the pieces that i would need to complete the project and i had little check boxes next to them so, oh my goodness, look at you. Yeah, so I basically, like, this is stuff that I do at work all the time. Like, if you do a project, and you're working on a project, um, it's always going to be feel overwhelming and unobtainable unless you start to break it into parts. Um, it's true. If you just look at it as the whole thing, you're like, well, then it's a whole dang thing i got to put together. Yeah, so, but in this case, like, I, I actually opened up my notebook right to it, um... I had, I actually numbered the parts as well, one through nine, one through nine. And, uh, whenever I finished one, I filled in the little circle. So I actually felt like, like I was accomplishing something rather than being right. overwhelmed by the whole of the project. Um, so when you say Crunchyroll, Hime, what exactly are you talking about? Um, so last year I decided I was going to go back to Anime NYC. So it's year two. Um, Anime NYC is very much sponsored by Crunchyroll. And what is Crunchyroll for those who don't know? Crunchyroll is a place for English speakers to legally stream anime. And they can pay... It was revolutionary in the beginning. Yes, it was, it was a step away from watching things in three parts on YouTube. <laughs> and even before that, downloading small clips on AOL. Clip, Oof. Like, clip, 
by clip. <laughs> but at that at that point, my computer wasn't even smart enough to play the audio in sync with the video, so I wasn't part of that that one. Uh, in in college, I was able to uh, well illegally stream things, um, as most as of our happens. generation <laughs> did. Um, so like, so like, I was going to the second year, and I realized Crunchyroll Hime has a pretty cool design to her that I actually kind of appreciated. She's um, got this orange thing going on. Yeah, it's like orange and yellow, and she's like, she's like, I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but she's, her design was designed by someone who um, put in for they a had contest. They a contest, didn't they? Yeah, they did put, put in for a contest, so this person designed it, and um, it's this crazy amalgamation between a fox girl, a school girl, Super Sentai, like Kimono Obi, and some ninja y stuff too. Sounds like they were trying to combine like the main genres that you often find in the Crunchyroll streaming. Yes. And somehow they did it and it all meshed. It actually all worked. Um, combining things like Lolita with Sentai is kind of impressive. So if, if Lindsay takes a moment to. Uh, to, to Google Crunchyroll Hime so we can properly, uh, uh, properly, um... Aye, uh, Captain. Yeah, like, we need to, to give credit where credit is due for the person who designed this person, this the lovely... The origin of Crunchyroll Hime, says the internet. Yes, it is Today on that is page. Today is Crunchyroll Hime's birthday, which is one on June 6th last year. Um, this is an article from Crunchyroll itself talking about their mascot and celebrating um, how she's been their mascot for uh, five years. Oh, wait. Uh, it was designed by Eunice Dahe Baik. I know I'm not catching what I believe to be Korean correctly. And that is the lovely person who designed Crunchyroll Hime, which was the name she had for uh, they had for that design. And there was over a hundred other entries that this one won out on top of. And they were so impressed by it that Victoria Holden, who was the brand manager at Crunchyroll, was so impressed, I'm quoting now, with Eunice, Eunice's design that she made Hime the official mascot of Crunchyroll. And, oh, this is a nice little detail. Later asking Eunice to collaborate with Japanese artist Shiori Abe to refine the design and create her current look. So her current look isn't so much, is based off of that original design, but is mostly created in tandem with another artist, uh, Shiori Abe. I think um, I did see I the original know. art where they kind of did a spin around of, of her um, and it hasn't strayed too much. There's like a little little tweaks like uh, how pointy the bow is or uh, a few other pieces but it's been pretty much true to the, um, the, the original design. Did you know that Hime is not the only mascot on the block for Crunchyroll, apparently through their various uh, fan art competitions. They've also developed a younger sister named Sudachi and a cat named Yuzu. That's a cute name for a cat. Mm. Yuzu's a type of woman. Yes, in fact... Uh, uh, which is part of the official canon now, apparently. Uh, Yuzu is, in fact, uh, featured on the the only uh, 3D other art that I've seen of Crunchyroll Hime, other than actual cosplays, which is uh, the statue that they... Um, they originally uh, 
released it, for, I think it was for like Crunchyroll Con, and if you like did the v- super VIP membership, you could choose something else, or you could choose this to go home with. But now they actually have that statue also for order on the website. Um, first time I've ever looked at an anime statue and kind of like wanted to get it because just because I worked with this making this project for so long that I really became appreciative of the art and and there's something about having a a lady in 3D that is quite satisfying. It is quite satisfying. That sounds so Uh, dirty. I did not mean for that to sound so dirty. (laughs) Just as as an interesting bit, I'm now looking up into other things that Eunice has done, um, mostly because I'm looking for a proper pronunciation of her name. I would like to do her justice, and I apologize for um, not getting the pronunciation on point here today. But apparently, these days, Baik is the associate editor at Webtoon Entertainment in California, so... Oh, that's cool. Is... Pretty much doing some, like, pretty good work out there. Yay! Good job. Sweet. So, so I decided that I, I wanted Senpai to notice me. Um, <laughs> Long story note, short, when you make a mask out of something, suddenly people realize you exist. <laughs> so I decided I'm going to make Crunchyroll Hime Doll. I've seen people do cosplays of it, but honestly, like, the amount of time I have for cosplay is lower and you have to buy more fabric and things like that cosplay on a human body has a problem it has to like move around and stuff like move with like your arm has to move and then the costume has to move like right and then so so i made this fairy tale in my head that making cosplay for a doll would take a lot less time than making a cosplay for a person so becca were you right no (laughs) So there goes the myth that just because something is smaller that it takes less time. Took about two months, I think. It, it was That's so long ago. Cosplay's worth of time. I mean, like fair. if I traced if I traced the timing and the, the the pictures I was taking, but I could really nail it down. But let, let's work, let's work from head to toe in in similar manner that I kind of have my check marks on my. Uh, uh, notebook here we can All work right, from so let's take a look at a picture of her um i have a picture of Hime in front of me she is a young lady with orange red hair with some white um sort of additions in it at the very top of her head is a somewhat pointy bow that holds her ponytail up and as you continue going downward she has orange eyes is wearing an orange um sort of shortened kimono crossover but sort of stylized into a Faintly Lolita-esque dress, though it's much more sleek and sporty than that. She's got black uh, shorts underneath, and continuing downward, she has a pair of knee-high boots that have this interesting trim at the top of them. And not certainly not least, her outfit has this pattern of a sort of a line drawing of chrysanthemum on it and an obi around it. So let's start at the very top, that bow. Yes. How did you defy gravity there? Okay, so... In making the hair, in, in, I kind of have it all in one piece. Um, so I found, I looked forever and I was trying to figure out a way to make this gradient color for the, the, the wig ponytail because she's like a, also part fox spirit. So it kind of has that white at the end of a oh, fox so tail. Oh, so that's where the white accents are coming from. Right. So it's like kind of quoting a fox. Um so I was trying to do this by, like, using a white Sharpie on a red wig. And at first I bought, I'm like, I need a wig that'll be full on the bottom so that when I pull it up, it'll make a ponytail. 
and I won't have any missing spots. So at first I got a wig. Because, of course, with wigs, it's not like your actual head where all your hair can be pulled in every direction. There's like a directionality to how a wig goes. Right. So I got a wig with two ponytails, um, thinking that I could pull it into one ponytail overhead and it would work all right. Um, The downside is that uh, Crunchyroll Hime also has like kind of like these short hairs in the front um, that kind of come down. So like part of it's shaggy, but then there's the ponytail. And as I was trying to do this, I was trying to use the silver marker to make the white parts, and the other parts would be a red-orange, and it just wasn't working. So then I got frustrated with it, and I actually unsewed all the wefts except the ones around the wedges and the false hairline that it had, and started... Wait, so we're not just dealing with a normal wig. You're going into the wig, deconstructing how it's made, which is basically a bunch of hair attached to lengths of fabric that are then stacked on top of each other, if you've never looked at the inside of one, and then started deconstructing it, taking those chunks of hair out, and then repositioning it. Right. And I did all this, and I tried putting it back together, and I looked at it, and I hated it. Well, then. (laughs) That must have been the worst feeling to go through all this work, because what you're talking about is not easy, and then at the end having to be like, you know what? This sucks. <laughs> it was hours of work and it was a failure. I like, like, I got it kind of okay before I took it apart with the wefts and put it back together because there was kind of weird bald spots and things like that. And mm-hmm. I wanted just to rearrange the hair so I could have a little bit more here, a little bit more there. I put it back together and it looked even worse than before. Oh no. So it was one of those situations where uh, moving things around um, weren't particularly helpful. Do you think it would have been better if you just added? To fill in? Maybe, but I was even trying stuff like that and it was just not working for me. So then then I'm looking on eBay and I find a weft that's an orange weft that goes down and fades into white. And I'm like, well, that'd be great <gasps> if that's a ponytail. If only I could find a wig that went with it. And I was digging through my drawers and undoubtedly some point during my life, in my 10 plus years in the doll hobby, I bought the perfect wig and I just had it stored <laughs> in what? my drawer and it was there the entire time. Well, you know, sometimes it's the happy accident that really leads to success when you're trying to do anything for the first time. <laughs> so with this, um, I I took that wig, and it was like, honestly, the, the white stripes in the, the wig is actually like a light, light pink, but nobody can really tell. Um, <laughs> it's such a light, light color. Um, I took, I rolled the weft. Um, sewed that together piece by piece so that it would be sewed into a roll, so it would be, make a ponytail. Um, I sewed the back end of a pin to that. So, like, the, um, not the pin part, but the thing the pin part goes so into. not the pointy, but the pushy. Y- y- yes. So, then I took the flat end of the pushy, pushed that through the back of the wig so that the flat end that you'd usually glue to a pin... Or something like that. Glue or solder to a pin was on the back of the wig, flat against the head, and going through and then connecting to the ponytail. Around that, I sewed kind of like a little, almost like bottle cap of white fabric. And to that, I sewed the uh, formed bow um, that is kind of quoting fox ears in the way it points up in two little points. I see. So the bow is... 
some people might have like looked at that and be like, oh, I'm going to like take some fabric and make a bow and put it on top and then it's floppy and what do I do? You completely skipped the make a bow part to like taking it literally, literally taking a piece of fabric and making, tying it in a bow and went straight to, well, I'm just going to make a thing and put a bow on top of it so it looks like the bow the way the image is because this isn't following physics. Correct. Um, so I basically just, uh, uh, created somewhat of that shape, uh, that, that, that bow yeah, shape yeah, with yeah. the point on either end, almost so that it looked like a, a funky U in a way. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, I fan folded the center to give it some, uh, stiffness and shape, put a little bit of fabric around the middle and that was the bow. So that is the story of that bow, but the, the story of the bow must, is connected to the wig since it's not simply, it's attached <laughs> Um, what I'm really hearing is that one of the first things you have to think about if you're doing a design like this is, like, you can't just dive into it thinking about it as a real person's head. No. What you're dealing with is plastic and stuff, so it took some creative thinking about of it as, like, an object rather than as, like, the way we normally think of dealing with hair. Yes, um, similar to the way that Sailor Moon cosplayers, when they cosplay, they usually have snaps or pins on the top of their bows to keep them up and on the right part. So rather than just snapping in the center where the bow would attach, uh, their bows are not magical like actual Sailor Scouts, so they must (laughs) be stiffened in some way so that they keep their shape. Um, Right. And then the ponytail has the same problem where wigs um, have a directionality. You can't like pull up the back of it and just make a thing and expect it to stay in place because it's heavy and it's not actually attached to your head and yeah, speaking of it being heavy, uh, I had just previous because, um, uh, what do you call it, Minotong card was uh, closing, I ordered oh, right. uh, several um, silicone head caps, and thank goodness, because it was so top-heavy, it would slide back slowly on the doll's head, but with that silicone wig cap, perfect, no issues at all. Oh, um, that's fantastic. Yeah, so that made the difference. Um, It's amazing how much difference that can make, especially, like, my uh, two clothes, like, Dreaming Moon guys, their heads are smaller than average for their size, so a 7, 8, or 8, 9 wig that's supposed to be on them is way too big, and the 7, 8's a little not right, and the 6, 7's too small, so you need, like, the buffer room, it's a whole thing. Yeah, so so moving down a little to the face and the eyes, uh, the eyes were standard Volk's eyes. That was, like, the easiest part. Um, I've ordered... Well, like, the eyes come in so many different colors and shapes and kinds. If you want something, it's out there. Yeah, I basically just ordered two sets of Volk's eyes and the recommend size for the head after asking around the forums, and I chose the ones that I liked better. Easy peasy. Well, that um, works. So eyes, done. Wig, more or less done. Um, what about the face up on that head? Yeah, so I ended up with the uh, Dolphy Dream DDH08 head. Um, I, I feel like that's the one that I like better. I don't remember. So there's um, 1 through 10 currently available on the uh, Folks USA website. Um, Doesn't it go up to 13? It goes up to 13 or 16. Some of them are Akihabara only, only so doll point only. Oh, right. You have to walk into the store, um, sort of like a full choice system style thing. Yes. Uh, but you're just putting together a Dolphy Dream, which you can already kind of do piecemeal anyway. Yeah, but, but it's, this cool. Way... it's cool because you actually get to walk away with it that day. So if you're like 
going right, to Japan. Exactly. You can't do full choice system, but you can do the Akihabara right. doll point. Um, There's no ordering or mailing. They're just there. Right. And you can walk away with it that day, which is pretty cool. Um, the faces are pre-made and everything, which is nice also because they don't have the issue with a, you know, hey, you didn't like how this was painted. It's like, here, this is exactly what you're getting because we're going to put it together in like 10 seconds for you. Do you know if they do, like, is it a pre-done face-up situation? Or yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, you walk away with it that day. They have several heads pre-done. Oh, so there's, like, um, they kind of moved to limited selection already, but, so there's, like, here's the D-001 with the D-001 face-up. That's it. Um, there's, like, one or two face-ups or each or something oh, like that. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because some, like, the, the 07 has, which is my favorite head of the ones released, has a very wide range of what you can paint on that face. Um... Because it's a very neutral expression with more narrow eyes, which... Oh, that go, is the one I like. <laughs> can, it can go anywhere from serious to, like, sexy or to happy. Um, smile lines make a difference. Um, speaking of which, this is the only head currently available that has a slightly open mouth. Um, oh, so that's like... Um, and a hobby like our small things like that become very exciting. Yeah, so I was looking for, like... Crunchyroll Hime, um, she's usually big and smiling. She usually has her mouth wide open, but I'd, I'm not so experienced with the vinyl as of yet to make a modded open mouth. So I wanted it open and happy, and this was where I was going to get it. Um, so I accentuated the lower and upper lips with the paint and shading um, to make the lips a little bit more pronounced because that's my aesthetic. Uh, painted in the teeth, so it would be a nice kind of teethy happy smile uh my sister said i painted the eyebrows maybe a bit too high to make her almost look more surprised than happy but um it's covered up by well, the bangs I... anyway so oh well <laughs> final is its own sort of challenge yeah when it comes to like how the... it doesn't take paint the same way as resin and you can't make it you can't make it do the same thing as resin like resin's a little bit more forgiving vinyls kind of makes you have to be like but clear out what you're doing, be really precise. I mean, it was my third resin face-up, um, vinyl face-up ever. Uh, the second one being an experimental one where I was trying to mesh um, looks of resin with a vinyl DDH-05 head. So I'm very happy with how the face-up came out. Uh, perhaps the cheeks were a bit too harsh because it's on a semi-white skin uh, because that's the body I have and I didn't want to buy a whole other body for this project just swapping heads right yeah 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 so uh but it all ended up very nice for the face um oh, very good brings us to the body very briefly um for the most part the body is unmodded i have picked up several other bus sizes but i kept to um just because she felt like a young girl, um, especially with her, the images of in the four coma of her hugging and loving Miku and things like that. Um, so I kept with the medium So wait, bust. is this the body that you basically use for when you're doing your 2B as well? Yes, it is, actually. This I, is I, like the body you have. Yeah, I experimented with smaller bust and it just was too small and too big is way too big. I mean, like Crunchyroll Hime's... Big is pretty big on a Dolphin Dream. Yeah, on, and Crunchyroll Hime, depending on who is illustrating her, can vary widely in bust size. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I went with the medium because it's what I'm kind of comfortable with and I thought she looked good in. So something where it looked like she was a young and developing girl, but not quite 
creepy the Abbasin and not like, oh my god, why do you have these? <laughs> right, um, right. So that being said, I had to, uh, the top is like a ninja top. Uh, I bought some, uh, like, lace edging um, that I, it had, it was kind of pleated. Well, to begin with, like, is any part of the fabric sections of her costume anything purchased in that shape already? Um, like, so, is it entirely self-patterned, self-made, that kind of thing? No, because you helped me with this. Um, so what happened was... Oh, wait, yeah, that's right. I did a little bit. But, like, other than me, I mean, like, you you figured out how to make these shapes, um, make the thing do what you wanted to do, and layer them, which is a lot of, like, really cool stuff to do. So the fabric that's used for her is very simple. I just... Because it didn't need to be flowy or anything like that, I just went with a very simple cotton broadcloth. It also holds its shape, and it, they're like they're, her skirt needs to be able to hold. Pleated, and... right? So, so the all the lace on it is from um, lace edging that's kind of gathered with a little edge that's sewn in. Except I popped that seam and pulled out the lace so I could use it for things. Mm. So the um. I'm sure there's a name for it, but the edge around her uh, kimono or yukata top um, utilizes this, which is hand sewn on, uh, just like it would be. I guess, is the best word I can think of. Yeah, just like in a normal, um, the collar, just like in a normal kimono, the collars are always hand sewn on. Um, And I hand sewed this one on so it lay right. Um, And then... Also, on the top of her boots, uses the same stuff, except that was glued on. We'll get there in a moment. Um, Don't be afraid to use glue. I, yeah. So, her the, her top ninja part and the um, bottom pleated skirt both use that broadcloth. Which brings us to the issue of how do you get a very specific pattern in a doll size when you don't have that fabric? Not only is it a specific pattern, but it's not like a regularly printed pattern. It's like kind of semi-randomly scattered. But it's not across. even. It's not even it's... randomly scattered. Like the, the, if it was randomly scattered, I would have been able to, in a similar way to, way people in Artist Alley, like my sister Katazua, K A T I Z U A on Etsy, um, does pillows um, and custom prints them. I could have had custom printed fabric if I really wanted to be that fancy but I wanted to be cheaper A and I wanted more control of where these um, little chrysanthemum like emblems showed up because when you're looking in the art they actually show up kind of in the same spot every time like one left of back one here one here there's a there's a logic to it but not like a symmetrical logic yeah so what we ended up doing is I had Lindsay um create a black and white art and... i did a thing in photoshop <laughs> which is um so becca's like okay Lindsay, you owe me one which i did <laughs> not, not that we're counting terribly hard between the two of us we've known each other too long um it, i believe the contract was i helped you get a cool doll so, i i and look, then also let's just be clear about this doll situation i didn't come to you and said becca Please help me find this specific doll. No, I saw it this doll. It was called Becca went, 
here's a picture. I found the doll you need to have. You should buy it. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> so, so the contract. A, there's a certain dynamic here that's important, I feel. But at the time, it was very kind of her because I was on the fence. And Becca was like, look, if I do XYZ, will you get it? I'm like, yes, I will get it if you do XYZ. And then, and then she's like, well, I'm doing XYZ, so you're getting it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, okay. And the, and, and I'm like, the, what do I owe you? She's like, well, I'll call it a cosplay favor later because um, some of our skill sets are uh, don't overlap. But, yes, um, and and just you know, when you're working on cosplay, you always are working within the last week of cosplay needing to come together. So, more so I've done a few things. I've sewn a few gloves and edges. And oh my gosh, I have gloves that need to be shortened on this new costume I got. Anyway, oh wow, great, wonderful. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll I think, be there. I think you're outside of the contract, though. It's 2019. That was 2018. I'll help you because I like you. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to give me things for me to help you. Shocker. Anyway, so... Uh, so it was a pattern. Yes, and, the first... Uh, the, the first the chrysanthemum's not... so stupid. I don't know how they drew it in the first place. Because it is not symmetrical. No, it's, I refer to it as almost spirograph-like. Uh, it is, but if it was, it'd be symmetrical. Yes. But, so the first revision, I looked at it and I'm like, I don't think this is right. Try, try again. I, I felt so bad. I was it. Let's be fair. Yeah. I tried to do what I thought they had done. So I, I basically, it's all leading up to Becca needed to make a stamp. Right. Or making a stamp. So then I, um, I think it was rubberstamps.com and I ordered a stamp. Yeah, like there's a plenty of places where they'll just make a stamp for you and if you don't need a gigantically huge stamp it's pretty inexpensive as i understand it so i ordered one stamp and that stamp was too big <laughs> and then i had to but, order a second one like, and that one was the right size saying it's like we did the first pass and i was like all right i'm trying to actually make it look like it should look being symmetrical and becca's like this is what it looks like i'm like i know because it's not symmetrical so i went back and did it again it's- approximating kind of the hand drawnness of it it's wabi sabi if it's something yeah and, uh, it's... i had to take a different methodology to it to kind of try because there's always this thing that happens when you have an existing design that isn't yours and you're trying to replicate it so there's going to be parts of the drawing where an artist somewhere went blah 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 okay no one will this won't matter that doesn't have to make any sense and then you have to make sense of it <laughs> Oh my god! Later, yeah, as another human, yeah, and sometimes that's easy, and sometimes that takes a little bit of creative thinking, and sometimes you just have to say, "I am close enough." <laughs> so, um, in this, we I ordered a first stamp, and it was too big. Actually, I thought it was right, but my sister was right, and I should have ordered it a little smaller. Then I ordered the second stamp, and it was the right size. Um, and I used some just from uh, Joanne Fabrics uh, fabric paint that they had. And that, that was the other beauty of this outfit is this is basically like as dead you can get on as the samp like simple orange and simple yellow and simple red. Like it's really easy to get things in that exact color because it's like yeah. almost, I would say almost primary colors except orange is not technically a primary color but you know what i mean like it is crayola Mm -hmm. box straight eight you got eight crayons in there you probably have these colors um yeah it's not a unusual saturation or 
uh, combination of pigments to create the colors involved, which is probably, thinking about it, in mascot design, that is something you have to think about, is replicatability of the colors involved, and you want to be sticking to Pantone colors, which you can are standardized across multiple things so that if your product's orange is this specific orange, you can print it as that specific orange in every single possible medium you can imagine. Because if you can't do that, it means that your brand is inconsistent and it ruins the effect of having a consistently recognizable color that people associate with your brand. Speaking of which, man oh man, was it really hard to find the right color orange and it's not quite right still for the t-shirts I made for us. It's like I wasn't thinking about this. I know when I did that. I mean, it's I was young and ignorant and not thinking about Pantone color replicability. I mean, and that being said, did I ever anticipate us making T-shirts or anything? No, no. But I could go back and choose a different orange that's Pantone compatible. Oh no, it that is our orange now. That is us. It's too late. It's too late. I don't, I'm not going to rebrand. Ugh, it feels like taking off my skin. I don't. I, I, <laughs> I've grown comfortable in this orange. I wear it proudly. Well, as long as you're okay with the shirt orange not matching our orange orange. Yes, it is fine. Well, then that's fine. It's pretty cool. So... It's a pretty heather, and it kind of mixes the colors together. It kind of looks like it from afar. <laughs> It's close enough, as I um, as one has to just say sometimes. Yes. So, so that brings us. So the skirt on the bottom was pleated. Um, I us- actually used the uh, selvage so wait, edge. So is the skirt separate from the top? Yes, they're two separate pieces, and that's hidden by the ob. Yes, exactly. So I'll gotcha. get to the ob in a second. Um, but I'm going to the skirt because I, I we stamped the the patterns on top of it because in similar ways of many animes um Mm -hmm. when something has a pattern they just overlay it and if there's any crumples or folds in the fabric it doesn't show it in the same Mm -hmm. way i stamped the um patterning right over the top of the pleats that i ironed in um because pictures don't have to follow sense though uh my our lovely professor uh darren ashmore was actually saying there is some uh, things in Japan with pleats, and that actually put the the um, patterning on like that over the pleat. I believe that. I do believe that. So that's interesting too. But do I think that was actually what I was going for when I was going for this? No, but it made me feel, <laughs> it made me feel better. But like if I had used the larger stamp and done it, you wouldn't it wouldn't have appeared circular when you looked at the patterns. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't have so worked. So you had to make the folds first, stamp the pattern on top so that they, like, match across one fold to another. And I was matching it to the images, so I would make sure I was stamping the stamp in the right spots for each one of these. See, this is how it took two months. Yes. It's um, not really the... The fabric part was really kind of the easier part. It's all the small details that come together yeah really take time especially at the smaller scale yeah so the last thing with that is that i use the selvage edge for the bottom of the skirt because that way i wouldn't have a bulky hem and that reduced the the thickness of it so that it would be more natural for that scale and that is my number one tip that i could give from this whole experience (laughs) is that if you're gonna make a, a pleated skirt for a doll 
Um, absolutely. Um, uh, number one, uh, use the selvage edge at the bottom. Number two, those little quilting irons, they are a boss. They are You also great. have to be careful about bulky fabric layers, don't you? Yeah. So, but that being said, this was so, it was just a thin broadcloth and it kind of replicates the, the, the stiffness of a pleated skirt in, uh, to scale. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. The, the only time it looks weird is when she's maybe sitting because at that point, like, uh, bending the pleat upwards looks weird, but pushing it outwards looks fine. So we've got our top with its trim. We got the skirt. With its stamps that we both cried over a little bit. Yes, and now we're up to the obi. Um, and the obi seems like it would be fairly simple compared to all this, or is this another place where it turned out not to be the case? It was fairly simple. Um, it has four snaps in the back to put it together. The odd part is, like, uh, it's a it's a little, like, approximation of of things because it has a bow in the front and a bow in the back. That's a choice. Yeah, like, obis usually tie, and they tie in one spot. I like, if you're, like, an oiran, you might have a bow in the front, but, um... I'm not quite sure we have... I, I understand, I think, what was happening there. I mean, it's kind of... that... It is interesting. Yeah. So, I tried to, for the bow in the front, uh, actually, like, directly quote, um, the bow... So I actually made a little bow in similar ways you would fold a bow for an obi for a yukata. And I looked right. at it and it was just not right. So what I mm. ended up doing was I actually ended up um, getting, uh, I basically stuffed a little mini square pillow and then I fan folded that center and put a little um, wrap around the center of that. And then that looked right. So once okay. again, so you found a way at the end for the scale me making an actual obi bow didn't look right. But when I stuffed a little pillow, that looked right. So this is another one of those, instead of thinking of it in terms of, like, literalism, you really have to go into a different place with it. Yeah. Um, in the back, I it, it's not a full bow for whatever reason. It's just the tails of the bow in the back, and then the bow itself is in the front. Um, but I brought the... I, I, I figured out... It had this weird knot, and I was trying to figure out what this knot was that they had in the back. So I actually looked up, like, like uh, images of, like, fishing knots and, like, tying knots from, like, a, like, like the kind of thing, like, a Boy Scout would use. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually found the knot that looked close enough, and I actually tied... I made the bow as, like, one long thing, and then I tied that in approximation, then sewed that into place. So yeah. it is now forever that knot. Um, which is how it's got this very weird, interesting shape. And no one will ever know I went to that much length other than you, me, and whoever listens to this podcast. Um, right? When you look at it from, like, the finished product, it looks like a fairly simple piece. And even looking at it as an image, it might seem, oh, you just do blah, 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 blah. But when you actually go in and do it, it's a whole different matter, especially with a lot of layers and things yeah. not following the normal, like, there's a reason why clothes are designed the way they are half the time. Yes. So, um, this bow also quotes a foxtail. Um, so towards the end of it, it changes colors and then has 
the uh, reverse color of that same chrysanthemum stamped onto it. So that was mm -hmm. also uh, just painted on with fabric paint and a brush and then stamped. Um, so that worked out really nice. Um, so we've got like the top, we've got the middle. What about the bottom? Let's let's do arms first. Oh, that's right. I forgot. She does the things on her arms, doesn't she? So the one arm, I actually used the piece of fabric that I unsewed the lace from. Mm. And I just, it's just a white wristband, kind of like, almost like an exercise wristband. Like, there you go. That That's like your fighting animes. <laughs> it's the sweatband around her wrist. Um, so that was easy. I just did a snap and uh, it snaps right on. The other hand okay. was a little bit more tricky. It's a little tight. It has the lace on it. Um, and then it has this bow that's like, seems to kind of float. Um, it's like this Kanazashi almost like A Kanazashi? Yeah. So like, if it was human scale, you would like take ribbon, you would- Oh, I see what you're talking about. It's one of those fortune knots. Oh, you actually know what this is referencing, because I don't. Yeah, there's, um- a type of knotting, decorative knotting, that um, has a lot of uh, crossing over and loops. And it's something you'll see sometimes if you look at a envelope intended to have money put inside of it. Like for New Year's or for um, money that you would send someone because they're getting married or having a child. Um, you put inside this envelope and there's like this really fancy knot on the front that's got lots and lots of loops. Yeah, so I had to figure out how to do that in doll scale. <laughs> well, I guess if it was an envelope, it would be kind of in doll scale already, but... Um, well, so... they're, they're much bigger than what the armband would recall for in a doll this size. So you had to figure out how to make that. So I took... Oh, boy. I took the pattern that it makes and I drew it onto a piece of uh, foam like the foam you would use for cosplay or like those uh, stress Just relief masks yeah so something thick enough that I could stick pins into it okay so it's about I'm looking at it on the ground it's like a quarter inch deep foam so I cut this little square about to the a little larger than the size that I would need it I drew the pattern of the I would say flower knot whatever you want to call it onto there I then stuck pins onto every intersection point where the string would have to change directions. Ah, uh, I see what you're doing now. I, um, so I, I got my inspiration from lace making, um, where you would have bobbins and you would use pins on this, uh, stuffed board to use those to change directions and hold it while you're so wrapping you're the threads So you're winding the thread place. around the pins, using the pins to sort of tell it where it needs to lay down so it, when you move it it doesn't like fall out of place exactly so then so you just wound the thread through yes. the pattern that resembles the pattern and then how did you keep the whole thing sandwiched like did you use white glue to like yes sort exactly. of basically stiffen it so i used white glue so um oh, okay. i used embroidery floss first that's my my textile i used for this i used white glue and the first time i did it the the black ink from the pattern I drew on it transferred with the white glue because it was kind of water soluble a bit to the to the threads. So I had oh. to scrap that one, 
And then I the drew it. pigment just came right up, eh? I drew the pattern on the reverse of wax paper, put that down. Okay, I, so now we have a barrier that's going to prevent this problem. Then I did the pattern over it, then I did white glue. Um, there was a little bit of, like, almost, like, flash once it had dried, but I just kind of picked that Where the off. glue had seeped out a little bit and, like, made a little edging where it had, like, sort of rested on top of the wax paper. Exactly. Um, and then I, I didn't glue the little edges of it. That way I could tie it off and have those cute little frayed ends. So like this is would. a really cute way to add, like, a nice little detail to anything that you're trying to do is using this method of string and looping it and then having it sort of hold held into place because the white glue pvc glue is basically plastic right to a certain extent it's water soluble plastic plastic and when it dries um the water evaporates out and you're left with plastic which is why it's so much fun to peel it off of your fingers when your fingers are covered in it it feels so satisfying and it works the same way for um fabric um there's a lot of different especially if it's a thin fabric if you can impregnate it with um glue it'll have a stiffness to it thread will hold uh, more or less its shape you can this is also sort of the methodology behind doing mod podge where you uh take layers of uh thin paper that has like designs in it and like using impregnating it with a solution of watered down pvc glue or actual mod podge which is a type of pvc glue that's specifically modulated for this purpose um you kind of like put it down it creates eventually this sort of smooth plastic protective layer over the whole thing um so that brings us to talking about protective layers um to the wrist. <laughs> talking about the boots no um almost there i just want to see about the boots. i don't have any idea how you did the boots <laughs> the boots were hard but but first the hand so the, on the hand there is um like a little black um wristlet it's um it's like a little glove that only uh loops around the middle finger and oh, then covers the back I, of the hand it's like the covers the back of the hand like a triangle fabric yeah so i tried doing that and i'm looking at it and i'm like this is gonna stain it's a vinyl doll this is gonna stain and i'm looking through my stuff and i'm like thinking about ordering something else from volks and i'm like i have this extra wrist that's the wrong color for my doll I'm just going to order a peace sign hand. I'm going to paint the black onto it. And then from we there, it. yeah, it's permanently painted on there. Um, it, it worked out very well. I used uh, acrylic um, and I mixed some uh, PVA glue actually into the acrylic or something like that, um, which just kind of gave it some depth to it while it dried, which just makes it a little thicker. Um, without, like, without, what's the word, um, it creates it a little more high sheen, it's a little thicker when it dries instead of, and it's a little bit shinier rather than matte, it's a little thicker, so it actually it looks like a piece of, of fabric on there. It looks like something separate from just the plastic it's on top of. Yes, so other part where I had uh, a staining concern was the shorts, almost down to the the feet <laughs> um so the black shorts underneath um i needed those not to touch the skin so i created some half pants in a in a i found like a ice skater four-way stretch fabric that was uh not quite her skin tone but it didn't matter because it doesn't show much of it anyway uh, oh just so you looks made like basically a protective layer 
yeah. protective round thing, pants under the pants. Right, just for that spot, which is perfect. Um, so here's a few lessons that we can take away so far. So when something doesn't seem to work in terms of like pure logic, break it down into pieces that you can stick together. Uh, like with the OB or with the hair bow, like it's okay. No one's checking to see if you tug on a thing and it actually comes apart. Oh, Another of is with vinyl, you can, unlike with resin, where this is kind of difficult, you can have extra parts. Buying just like a hand and painting the dang thing worked out nice. Yeah. Another is um, keeping a mind on what kind of dyes are involved because the pants were black, so you made sure you took care of that problem before it became a problem. Right. And then you had to get brand new legs or something for her. Uh, speaking of the OB, I, th- I, I don't remember if I mentioned this, but I did put in, um, oh, what's that? thickening fabric name uh <laughs> darn it uh interfacing into the OB yes. in order to thicken it up uh you know i only needed like one layer i thought i might need two but that's such a small scale that yeah you don't a little need bit two. goes a long way so we've got a few lessons we're learning and also it always takes longer than you expect yes um also on the leg before we get to the boots is there's this like little ninja pack you would expect like naruto to pull out some ninja stars from or something like that yeah um, i was I've, i'm spending more time looking at her design than i personally have ever looked at before isn't it really interesting all the little pieces yeah it, part of me is like mm, about it <laughs> there's like there's like it's, it's not my aesthetic is is most of it it's so weeby, but when when you're looking from afar, it's just, like, so cohesive, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, it really does come together somehow. I don't know how, but it does. That's what I, I love about it. I think mostly it's the, a good use of color. Yeah. Um, keeping so, the silhouette simple. So her little but, ninja uh, bag. Anyway, she's got a she's got a leggy pouch. A pouch yeah. on her leg. So I actually t- took that self-same uh, piece of... Uh, a piece of that same sort of a foam that I used for the uh, the flower making, and I cut that apart. And it was then I actually did some kind of uh, kirigami in a way, um, cutting art um, during a game of Dungeons and Dragons, actually in the Poconos. Um, and I actually sat there and like started trying to figure out how I could make this pouch with the least amount of seams facing forward. Um, so through this, because I wanted to minimize the seams, because I knew the pouch was so small, any seam that I had on it would be very bulky, and the the fabric was yeah. so thin that I would be seeing the seam through the outside. So I figured out how to minimize that, and then um, rather than just having the, the pouch try to keep its own shape, which would just flatten out, I actually put a piece of the um, foam into there and sewed it in, and it will huh. forever remain. So she does not have ninja stars in there. It's just a piece of gray foam. <laughs> <laughs> the true secret. And of course, that lays directly on the leg too. But we already have the flesh tone legging there to save the doll from the uh, black shorts. The same effect. Yes. So does this mean we're at the boots? Are we at the boots? Are we we at the boots? are actually finally at the boots. <gasps> My goodness, we're at the boots. So... The the one part of the boots that came together really quick uh, was, like, I was looking at, like, human cosplay instructions on how to make boots. Um, I have mm-hmm. white vinyl, but my white vinyl isn't stretchy. So at first I was looking at the instructions on how to make non-stretchy boot covers. I'm like, okay, I have some heels. I can do this. And I was looking at it and I'm like, this will be so much easier if I had stretchy vinyl. 
So I try. It always is with the boot. So you're basically. When you say I had the heels for it, what do you mean? Were you taking like a base plastic heeled shoe for a Dolphy Dream and then trying to build off of it? So originally I had one with a buckle. And then I got. I had some black stretch vinyl and I tested it and it looked pretty great. And then I got the white stretch vinyl and I did one boot and I'm looking at it and I'm like, the 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 heels I had were white Mary Janes with a buckle over it. And I'm like, I can see the buckle through the stretch vinyl and I hate this. Hmm. Forever ago, I had bought these red um, little pumps. So no, no, just a very simple plain plastic pump uh, for Dolphy Dream. These suckers are a pain in the butt to get on and off that foot. Like, I'm afraid it's going to ruin the doll someday. I think it just, it actually did leave marks on the back of the foot. I don't know if they went away eventually, but they were perfect. Eventually I, I bought them in white for this very purpose. Not that you could see anything through it, but it just makes me feel happier. <laughs> um, so you basically just put the doll in the boot. And because then it's a doll, you take the doll's leg off. <laughs> you... Things we cannot do with people in cosplay, though. Sometimes we really wish we could. Like, you know, exchanging the bus size. Right. Changing the legs out. Just yes. so you can rip it off your body and work on the shoe. Oh, and this I got from that uh, tutorial online for, for uh, uh, human cosplay, too. Um, those, like... Um, kind of like plastic pouch mailers that you get in like especially the ones that are like silver on one side and white on the other yeah yeah those are really great for permanent patterns that you can hold on to so you just draw oh, with so sharpie they, they're on it good material to use as a stencil yeah exactly so i basically just laid the leg on that with the heel traced around it gave myself an, a little bit of room there for um overlapping seam allowance. you're gonna like put it together yeah, seam allowance. So it's going to have a seam in the front and a seam in the back and, and with this method, but it's going to be very form-fitting. Um, yeah. Then I stood the heel up and I traced the bottom of it so I could figure out that triangle for the uh, front piece. Yeah, shoes are, like, really freaking magical and mystical. Like, I don't... Sometimes if you look at the pattern a shoe makes before it's a shoe, you look at the shape and it's like, what is happening yeah with so. all of this geometry there's <laughs> geometry happening really complex geometry is happening vigorously on the shoe <laughs> and then like you seal up the edges turn it inside out and it's like okay now it's a shoe now i don't understand what happened so i sold all this together and basically what happens is you slide this sock on over top i don't even i didn't even put a seam on the top of it once again to reduce bulk but also because there was another part that needed to go up there that would cover it anyway um, so, so you slide don't worry this on. About seams if something's going over them, really. And then the, I do have a seam on either side of the heel to wrap the heel around. So then okay. you put the doll's heel, the shoe on, you pull the sock down, you pop that over the heel, and then that part's locked in. And then you take this toe part that's sewed together, pop that over the toe, and mm. the the between the the ball and the heel of the foot, it's actually open. Oh. And it's actually a little bit wide there, so then you just tuck it in on either side underneath the the shoe. And it's not so much to tuck that it's noticeable. 
So but, this is more being careful about your bulk. But you yes. have to also keep in mind, like, it's convenient. You can take the leg off, but the leg doesn't squish. Yeah, and and you need a you need a spot to tuck the... You need a spot to put the sock on, and for a sock to go on, it needs to kind of go on all the way and have a hole in the bottom of there somewhere. Um, yeah. And that's how I got around trying to put a zipper in or anything like that, is it literally slips on like a sock with this hole, because it's stretchy, with this hole in between the 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 heel and the ball of the, the shoe. Oh, wow. So that that took... A lot of what you're talking about is like going through this process step by step. It, there's a lot of things you have to try to think about before you do a thing. Yes. The, the or best... rather find out while you're doing the thing and then realize, oh, that doesn't work that way. Speaking of which, um, so the top of the shoe has like a top color part similar to Sailor Moon. Um, and I had to figure out how to do this color. Well, like I mentioned, I have a... a colored it's like looks metallic and i had a colored stretch silver material that i've had for like forever um right. and i was trying to figure out how to do this and i'm like well if i'm using silver sharpie on the hair i should be able to use a similar concept and use an orange sharpie to color this vinyl that's true because then there's a reflectivity to it so as you're covering as the ink ink which is transparent essentially um, goes over the silver it takes on this sheen but the it sort of dot it sort of tints it yeah and it worked perfectly don't get me wrong but let me tell wow. you about sharpies and dolls uh-oh i hear a big butt coming <laughs> so this would have if it had worked it would have created <laughs> the perfect if if it had worked <laughs> it would have created the perfect uh top to the shoes that would have been like tight right to the to the doll it unfortunately, and what did it do instead becca <laughs> i think i was trying to keep it as orange as possible without oversaturating it so that the, there wouldn't be extra pigment to i don't know get soaked into the doll i did so i put it on did you achieve one of these things it's number one streaked orange off along the already it was a white shoe cover and it streaked orange across it i think that was my <gasps> test one oh, at that point it was no. the test one because i wasn't sure how this was going to work and i that might have been the test one okay so I here's a lesson the there's a le here's a lesson we can take from becca's experience yes make a test not out of the last three inches of your fabric yes so if something goes horribly wrong it's okay <laughs> yeah i'll always buy a little extra fabric um so that that was part one so i used it off of the one that didn't go well. So like that one I built for the buckle and I eventually went to the non-buckled uh, shoes. I, so I went from the Mary Jane heels to the pumps. So I used the Mary Jane one to like test this out to see how this would work. Sliding it on and off. Because I actually sewed it to the top of the sock so that it was kind of on the reverse. So you'd yeah, pull yeah. it on and then you'd fold the orange down. I see. So the orange isn't so much part of the shoe as it's part of the layer under the shoe. And yes. you're kind of playing with the fact that no one's going to be like, I'm going to rip this shoe off and see if you really made it one piece. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like your pants are too long and you're folding up the cuff. It's the opposite. Exactly. It's the opposite in the other direction. The... It's going up towards the knee. So in addition, I put I had a hunch 
So I put on the nice folks um, bodysuit when I was doing this. It left an orange stain on that bodysuit, and it's still there. This is why the bodysuits are great. Yeah, so it didn't stain but me at all. now you need a new one. <laughs> which is great. Um, I... I was cursing and I was using acetone to try and remove it and I removed as much of the orange as I could but it's still there a little bit. Ideally no one will ever see it but you know. It's still um, a little frustrating. So here's so, another lesson is because vinyl does stain if you're using any type of dyeing technique or actually here's a thing that they also, that people often mention we're often too lazy to do is wash your fabric before you craft with it. Yeah of course <laughs> really in the end is don't use Sharpies with Dolphies, period. Don't do what Becca... Becca has suffered for you. So don't you do don't it. have to learn this lesson. Don't do it. Just She's done do this it. for you already. <laughs> Say thank you. She has just now saved our listeners from making the same mistake. You're welcome. I was so mad. Um, I bet you were. And, like, there's a lesson here, too, that... When you're doing something that no one's ever done before, even if it seems simple, it's okay if something goes pear-shaped. Yeah. Like, it only like you costs aren't, your time. you're not a person who's inexperienced with making costuming. We're talking a lot about things that a lot of people who've been doing costuming for a while think of, like layers and tricks to make something look a certain way, even if it's not actually doing that thing. You're, you know what you're doing in a certain sense, but even when you know what you're doing, there's going to be things that come up and you're going to have an idea and you're going to just have to try it. You can't be afraid to just try it. So then I, I gave up the idea of it being stretchy because how, how, how lucky would I be to actually find orange metallic stretchy vinyl? It's so very like specific. Yeah. Thankfully it's like, it's like, cause there's a lot of gold stretchy vinyl, because oh, yes. superheroes, just, yeah, and oh my gosh, it looks all good. The... It looks good in a spandex suit for um, on stage. Yeah, yeah. Which is but what like... a lot of this four-way stress vinyl is really for circus performing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I could have found it if I was like on Fabric Row in New York City, but I wasn't, and I was running out of time. So I just googled orange metallic vinyl, and I found. Like, a small, like, sheet on eBay that was basically designed for scrapbooking. It was, like, an 8.5 and, and 11 sheet. A very thin stuff, too. It was so perfect. And because it was, like, color fast and vinyl and I wasn't adding anything to it, it wasn't going to transfer any color. Right. So, so from there, those got two snaps on the back of them. I uh, pleated in, a, like, a scallop to put the... the um, the, the uh, lace on the top of those. Um, I used white glue to attach those right to the uh, sides of them. I redid those that pleats and that uh, those two bottom top cuffs of those uh, boots twice or three times because <laughs> the one boot I liked more than the other boot and it was more full. So then I had to redo the other so one. So whenever anything's symmetrical, that's a whole shenanigans right yeah. there. Yeah. I did I did use black paint on the bottom of the boot cover um, to create the little black line on the bottom of it, which was um, fine to do in black paint for this uh, purpose since it's not directly against any doll skin. Um, the uh, ball joint, however, on the uh, the hand um, yeah. does occasionally leave a little black uh, on the 
inside around the edge of the uh the hand but it usually just flakes right off because it's more it's more of an it's acrylic, acrylic paint really so than a than a yeah than anything acrylic that's... flakes it doesn't um it doesn't do well psa don't use oil paint yeah on anything i mean doll shaped not nothing doll shaped should have oil paint anywhere near because the oils seep into the por- porosity the porous places of the materials and will never leave <laughs> so i feel i feel like we have officially gone from head to toe with this doll <laughs> um we have indeed my friend and what are the big takeaways you learned from doing this um never use sharpie never use sharpie all right number one never use sharpie um never use sharpie definitely definitely that uh number two when you make bows for dolls you can't use the same concepts when you make bows for humans and expect them to look the same the Um, scales too like messes with it you'll be better off with creating two pieces and sewing them together and making it look bow like faking it till you make it um be be willing to go that looks like two pieces that don't actually fit together because you're um, probably right number three uh don't underestimate the uh, awesomeness of using the selvage edge to reduce your bulk what is selvage edge for those not familiar um on the when you buy a piece of fabric it will usually be either on like what is it a 40 40 inch wide 40 inch or 60 60 inch Yes, and on some, either... some are twenty, but that's like in the in the specialty cottons or flannels. So, on, uh, so obviously it's a big long you you buy it off a big long bolt, but on either edge of this forty or sixty inch wide thing is a woven end to the fabric. It's um, essentially where like if you're it's a fabric is woven. And the edges are where the, the thread that was going back and forth doubles back on itself. Yes. Um, so by doing this, you don't need to worry about hemming it because, and hemming it, of course, would at least add two or maybe three more layers of um, thickness to your fabric, which is really bad when you're working on such a small scale. Um, you don't have to worry about it unwinding on you, which is great. Um and I swear there is one more thing, which is, oh yes, you can make your own patterned fabric by designing and purchasing uh, stamps, stamp. which is the pretty cool. The stamp trick was really impressive to me because I never had, like, I've seen people do stenciling in cosplay, like a people size stuff, because usually stamps are too expensive at the size. I've seen people do velvet heat stamping, where you um, heat up a stamp and like you iron it's a velvet gets ironed and it gets flat in places and the rest of it stays puffy it's a thing oh but i cool. never thought about using an ordinary rubber stamp. rubber stamp as opposed to like specialty linoleum based stamp or stenciling on fabric but it makes sense especially at the smaller scale where you're dealing with such little paint that you're not thinking it's that smearing yeah, it, it took a little little practice just getting the consistency of the paint right so that it would lay, would cling properly to the stamps. So there would be no null areas, but it would 
Um, did you have to thin your paint any, or did you have to thicken or medium? What did you end up doing? Um, it was actually just a slight bit of thinning, only like water. Um, yeah, just a little bit of water, just but only a little, because if it was too thick, it would have like clinged to the inside Long. of the uh, edges of the um, pattern, and if mm. it was too thin. It would just spread out once it's on the fabric and bleed through. Right, yeah. So you can't, you gotta make sure it's not bleeding. So lots, here's another lesson, lots and lots of testing. Yes. If you don't know what it's gonna do, test it. You'll thank yourself. And um, I just wanted, it was such a journey to make this, but I really didn't think it would be. Well, you started out being like, oh, look at this cute little thing. It will be, it's relatively straightforward. It's not like you have long flowing layers and things, but the little details get you every time. Yeah. So, so I just wanted to share this in case there was any techniques for you out there trying to customize your own uh, resin or, or vinyl doll, you might be able to borrow and, and uh, use for your own. So learn from if, our mistakes, learn from our mistakes, learn from our mistakes. Um, other places you can go if you're interested in project journals similar to this one, though with pretty pictures and writing. Den of Angels has a very wonderfully large archive of people doing their own project journals that I always love. That's the part, my favorite part of the forum is going through the threads of people like updating. This is what I did. And these are my mistakes I made. I love that part more than seeing the finished product is them going through the process of figuring out how to accomplish what they wanted, which sometimes took a few tries. And Ooh. it's really exciting. I know other people do them on blogs, and I'm sure YouTube has their videos as well. It's a really fun thing to learn from. And I... Becca's been doing this for a while. This is a, this is a project that's been done for a while. I still learn things from listening to her talk about it. Which is so, pretty great. So if you uh, learned something from my mistakes, or if you have some mistakes you would like us and others to learn from, you can email us about them. You um, can also do all other sorts of things about us, but where can they email us, Becca? Uh, so you can email us at ningo, bingo, N-I-N-G-Y-O-B-I-N-G-O at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a website that's at a dot com. Not a dot biz or a dot net or any of those a other dot, dot com. Yes. Dot biz would be so silly though. Because we're not. <laughs> I know. But I get I get phone calls. I'm like, dude, what? I make I don't make any money off this thing. I only I only pay money oh, for this. Oh, is it people spot. trolling to like, let's make your Facebook more productive? Or or they're like wanting to sell me advertising and I'm like, no. Excuse I, me, I don't make money <laughs> off this no i pay the server costs and occasionally i pay for advertising to to just let people know i exist and that's <gasps> becca becca, yeah. becca 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 so while we were talking i got curious because it's been a long time since i've looked at our youtube uh, youtube reviews that's not what i'm talking about itunes reviews yes did you know we now have four reviews on itunes Ooh, fabulous i would Love to shout out the lovely people who have left some really nice compliments for us on iTunes because that really, clearly, I'm very excited about it. And it honestly really does help people actually listen to see, like, oh, this is worth an hour of my life. 
<laughs> so shout out in November, Kelly Megan gave us a beautiful review saying that really helped her venture into the world of Asian ball directed dolls. I am so delighted, Kelly, to have helped you out on your journey into the hobby. And apparently, and also that we focus on intersectional topics such as feminism, pluralism, and gender, which, heck yes, <laughs> one of my favorite things in the world. Oh my gosh, there was an amazing panel at Anime Boston that was um, about uh, history of of um, uh, being transgender or homosexual in context of Japan in history. <gasps> and oh, that is a panel to... I have been hoping to see for a long time. Now was... I really have to go to Anime Boston. It was so good, Lindsay. It was oh, so, go. so good. But I'm not done. I'm not done. Oh. There's one more that I don't think you know about. Okay. Back in October, Notaita, Notaita? Probably Notaita, um, knowing how these things go, said, I love this podcast for just existing. Aww. Right? Right? See? See, this is what happens when you leave things on reviews on iTunes for us. Not only does it help other people, but it makes us cry. And I know everyone likes watching people cry. Oh, no. You can at least listen to us cry. (laughs) And back in August, I think we know about this one, but Elas and Oki um, mentioned loving listening to the history of BGD collecting and the multiculturalist perspectives on shelling characters. So... I know these are some episodes that are really near and dear to me and Becca's heart, so it really helps us a lot to know that you guys enjoy them, too, because we'll do, if you compliment us on something, we'll do more of it. So, uh, of course, you can leave us feedback on our uh, iTunes. Uh, we also have a, a, a Stitcher. Um, we're also on there. Um, we are on Twitter. We are, have a Gmail. We have a blog spot. We have a Facebook. We have a YouTube. Uh, it feels like it should be a song. Um <laughs> Well, if you would like to write a song, Becca, <laughs> I will leave the fact that you can actually sing on key to you. Oh, God. I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, you don't want me doing it, that's for sure. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> well, let's, let's try it out. So, as no. you... <laughs> I refuse. I embarrass myself enough in person. Oh, I... On the air recording oh, for on. eternity. Come on. Go, nope. go for it. Go for it. No. Nope. Uh, I don't wait. even know what song. I already am having hearing problems. I can't do just, this bullshit. Just, just roll with it. So, as you have yeah. to as you have to buy a whole second wig and a whole separate hand and a second darn stamp in order to finish your project, remember to keep on collecting dolls. And keep a budget. Keep a budget.